Welcome to the Days of Favour Teaching Day podcast from Kingdom Faith Yorkshire. A lot of, a lot of what's been said today is about uh, related in community. So um, I'm going to ask you to turn to someone next to you at the moment. If you're married to them, you might want to turn to somebody else, but because um, it'd be much harder and not quite the point. <laughs> but... Um, and, and this doesn't have to be some deep angst thing that you, that you say, but go sit with the person you're sitting next to, turn to them and each to one another. Tell them something about you that, they, that you don't think they'll know. Just something that, about you that you don't think they'll know. It could be fun, it could be hilarious, it could be very sad. It's totally up to you. But yeah, if your husband and wife move around a bit. <laughs> We'll split, my, split Michael and Leslie up and Brian and Shona. Okay, bring it to an end. Give you one more minute if you haven't finished. Sounds like you're finishing. What I heard was a lot of laughter. It's funny, isn't it? When we actually communicate on all sorts of things, is we, we begin to laugh. Community really is good for us. <laughs> It often, it often it sort of becomes this really big thing if we're not, oh, we've got to be a community now. <laughs> actually, actually, it can be just having a laugh, finding out a bit more about each other. And uh, that makes a good conversation in the hub. If you're sitting with somebody having a cup of coffee in the hub downstairs, play that game. Okay, tell me something about you that I don't know. And then you do it back again. And again, yeah, it can be really small and insignificant or it could be something major. I don't know. I don't know. Um, it's up to you. But, uh, it's a way just to start that sort of getting to know one another. Anyway, let's get back to, to uh, where we were. Um, it's been great what Claire's taught. I've uh, really enjoyed what you've been teaching today. Thank you, Claire. Yeah. And uh, let, let's, let's bring a lot of this together and link back to what we did first thing this morning. Uh, we're going we're gonna to particularly look at Dare to Dream. Uh, apologies if you're not directly from Kingdom Faith, uh, but Dare to Dream is, is, as I say, our own vision, which is very much prophetic imagination and missional imagination. It's just that Dare to Dream is a lot easier to remember. <laughs> it's a bit like when you read those quotes from the theologians and then you see what Jesus said, love your neighbour as yourself. <laughs> but the academics do... They're good. They do make you think. And as I said, I do recommend that, that Paul Sparks book. Um, maybe I'll, re- I'll show you a few others. If you fancy reading something different uh, rather than a book by Bill Johnson, uh, which I do recommend his books, but you know, it's, they're, they're good to, to stretch our minds and stretch the way we think. Uh, it's like looking at the picture in a different way. You suddenly see the people rather than the spindles. And that can be really helpful. Uh, I've read some great Catholic theologian books in recent times, and I've seen spindles instead of people. And it's good to do that. Uh, Not to bring confusion, but to give you a a deeper understanding of God is. Um, So we we looked at Dare to Dream, um, particularly this uh, sort of uh, more complex statement, the only hermeneutic of the gospel is a congregation who believe it and live by it. So we've really developed that today. You've got to live out what you believe. Um, and we then moved on to, um, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We looked a little bit more depth at what prophetic imagination was. I don't know if you remember what it was, but basically it's just you attempt to see what God is doing. 
You use your imagination and you imagine what it looks like for God to be active in this world, because he actually is. So you begin to catch hold of what he's doing. And imagination, if it's based on what it says in the word, is going to be accurate. Okay? Um, and then we looked at missional imagination, which prophetic imagination, it's like it adds to it in the sense of it's really looking at what God is doing in your community. So over here during Days of Favour, we've got a lot of newspaper clippings. Some of them are really not popular, really not great. Drug-related death rate is on the rise. Okay? Is that, how do we respond to that as a church? Is that something we're involved in directly? Is it just in prayer? Again, we've got to be resting in God and knowing what God is telling us to do. Um, or you've got this one. Insolvency rates in town, one of the highest in the UK. New report reveals debt increases, debt case increases of 9%. Scarborough has one of the highest rates of personal insolvencies in England and Wales, official figures show. So when I, you know, when I said to you the indices of multiple deprivation, you begin to see it. Normally I don't talk about this, especially on a Sunday morning, because we're talking of the hope that we have in God. And actually, I believe this is an amazing town. Amen, amen. Now, Michael and Leslie are considering moving to Filey, which is nearly here, so it's nearly good. <laughs> <laughs> it's the borough of Scarborough. <laughs> um, this is actually a wonderful place to live. It's full of people who actually do want to know and do want to be part of community. But it's, quite, um, it's been quite squashed. A lot of local people will think there is nothing good left in Scarborough because they know those kind of things. But actually, there's great hope for this, amen, for this, amen, for this town. I mean, I don't know if it's prophecy exactly, but I, I, I definitely see this town coming into an era of prophecy and sort of joy and light that it hasn't known for amen, years. Amen. In, in the fairly near future, it's going to be something that grows. And we've seen evidences of that here and there and things that have happened um, and one of the reasons is there's a people in town who are praying for this town it works so that was the missional imagination and that was the, uh, the one I left you on how does dare to dream inspire enable encourage people to think uh, the bit in the middle was information and has our communal imagination changed that's another type of imagination I've almost thrown in there it's not really I'm just thinking how do we together now see things it would be another way of expressing that. Has it changed? Or do we still have that focus of the middle paragraph of just getting people here? On, is it bums on seats on a Sunday, to put it very crudely? I don't believe it is. Um, as part of my um, master's, I had to do a research project. And so I, uh, one of the, what I decided to investigate was Dare to Dream. It's obviously dear to my heart because it was something that God gave us as before we even got here, that would become important for here. Uh, but how, how had it grabbed our people, if you like? Now, it was only a research project, so it was only over a short period of time. So the data was gathered from not enough people to be, uh, well, it would be, it would be statistically significant if it was an, in terms of, the, of a national service, survey. But I would have liked to have spoken to a lot more people, but there wasn't the time in the context of what I was doing. So most of this was based on a focus group, um, and I had some questions for them, and I wanted to see what came out of that discussion. So it was a very open-ended discussion. I gave them some questions, and I wanted to see what were the themes that emerged. 
And you should bear in mind that when we did this uh, as, a, as a group, because you're going to have a go at the same questions, basically, uh, when we did this as a group, they hadn't had that first session. I hadn't stood in front of them and talked to them about prophetic imagination, what does dare to dream mean, what is missional imagination. I hadn't done any of that because I was wanting to see if that was there. They might not use those words, but you can be talking about missional imagination by, um, by talking about seeing God at work in the community, can't you? So I wanted to see if those things emerged. And Claire helped me gather together a lot of the data. And that's what we'll look at shortly. But before we do that, we're going to go and have a look at those questions that I was sort of tempting you with flashing up. So what we'll do in a minute is get into smaller groups. I would say about four-ish in a group. It could be three, it could be five, it's not vital. Uh, and mess all the chairs up to achieve that. And then just have your own discussion group, really, through this, these questions in order to just help you build upon what Claire's taught today, what I've taught today, and as we think ahead as a community. Because uh, it's not a static thing. It's not like, oh, Claire and I have taught this now, so that's what we run with. It's like we absorb this hear God on it, and it begins to grow. And that's the big change from perhaps the previous model. I don't know if you ever remember that, um, that sort of diagram in quantum physics that I preached on, where there was all the different colours of things swirling around on the screen. That, that's kind of what we have, that people just getting energy from one another by changing position and bouncing off one another. So what are the questions then? Um, here we go. Number one, what does dare to dream mean for you? Number two, what excites you about being part of this church? Remember, these were being asked in the context of people not fully knowing, uh, I suppose, where I was going with it, other than that we were talking about dare to dream. Do you see the connection between this and the Dare to Dream vision? That's referring to the previous two parts. And number four, what motivates you in being part of this church? Okay, we actually had six, but I've knocked two off for purposes of today because we had an hour and a half to discuss it and you're only going to have 20 minutes or so. But, um, so try and take about five minutes on each unless you get really excited about one of them and just talk about it in the group what does dare to dream mean for you? And try and take it beyond what we've just said today. Uh, I don't know whether we've given you an advantage or a disadvantage in some ways. Okay, so that's it. Ready, steady, go! Oh, by the way, I'm not intending to go for huge group feedback, so... Don't feel like, oh, I'm not sure I want to say that because it will be shared with the whole group. It's going to just stay with your group for, for today. It's about you thinking about these things for yourself as a group. Okay, a brief interlude at this point. Just to sort of add to your conversation, don't all try and agree. You don't all have to agree. You have church people. I, just, just a little snippet I heard around. It was like, it's, it's great. What motivates one person, what excites another, but it's going to be different.
You haven't got to come to a common agreement. It's not a common agreement thing. What, and you notice the first question is very individualistic, actually, although it's based in our community. It says, what does dare to dream mean for you? So it's likely to be different to the person next to you. And, and people are affected by it in different ways. Some never ever think about it, and some it's constantly there, and some realise it's there, but they've never realised it. So I'll give you another five minutes, but, but don't think you've got to agree. Have plenty of healthy disagreement. <laughs> but don't hit one another. <laughs> okay, praise God. So, yeah, you can don't worry about them being exactly back in rows as long as you can see the TV screen. I hope that was an interesting conversation in your group. Uh, I mean, use those group, those questions in your house groups, house churches as well. You know, they're good questions to ask. Um, They're very positive because they come from a a particular way of doing research that is used in in all sorts of places of looking to see what it is that's positive about somewhere. And they actually uh, use some of these questions in places where everybody is feeling very fed up and depressed. Uh, And so it deliberately looks like, okay you feel really bad about this organisation, but there must be some reason you're here. So what is it now, or what is it? What is that? That's the reason for that focus. Uh, and so it helps you to see what it is you like to help you to go forward with it. Uh, and that's that. So I hope the conversations were good. Did you find anything out that you thought was, oh, I hadn't thought of it like that before in your groups, maybe? Um, maybe you've never, ever really thought about Dare to Dream. Yeah, even though it's there all the time. Now you've, now you've noticed it, now you've had your attention drawn to it on a day like this, you're going to see that it, it's just, maybe even if the words aren't used, you'll see that this runs through everything we do. It's that idea of what is God doing, what can we join in with? Where is, where is God active? What has God called us to? Is very much part of what I think we are as a community. Um, so what I'm going to do, and this might differ from how it went in your group, and that's okay, but I still think it's interesting. So the way this worked when I did it as a research project was uh, I talked with the, the focus group, and I would bring each question one at a time, uh, and I would endeavour to say as little as possible because I didn't want to influence the conversation in any way, which is obviously quite the opposite of what we've done today. Claire and I have probably influenced your conversation quite significantly. But uh, So the idea was, therefore, just to hear what was out there already uh, by asking one question at a time. Uh, Claire transcribed as much as she could of all the things that were being written down, and we also recorded it. And then Kate typed up the recordings, which was a long job, as you can imagine, hour and a half's worth of conversation. And then we began to put all the, we, uh, or we, we put all the information and grouped it all in areas to see what emerged as the as the main findings, the main themes that emerge from the conversation. And this is the three main themes that everybody talked about in answering those questions. Now, you had them given to you in advance, so you probably did talk a little bit about prophetic and missional imagination. You may not have used those words, but you probably talked about what do you see. Um, but this is what came out. Though, again, even in the conversation with the focus group, I don't think 
anybody ever said this is prophetic imagination but it was again around that what do you see missional imagination was about community involvement missional uh, mission in the community and family church community was that idea of us as the community and these were the three main ones that that emerged in fact virtually everything couldn't could be categorized in these three couldn't it Claire it was it was really interesting it was marvelous for me doing a research project that these three came out I was like winner <laughs> as my daughter-in-law would say <laughs> that's going to work brilliantly uh, and then I then I had to use those to do a bit of analysis which I thought I'd show you because you might be interested in how it worked out um, so because it was a report, I put it into graphs, because that's what you do, isn't it? Uh, so the first question was, what, uh, what does Dare to Dream mean for you? And as people talked about this and talked about what Dare to Dream was, we then categorized, Claire and I, as we said, these statements into the three well, we, we realized there were three groups, and then we looked at the kind of percentage of comments that were in those groups. Now, this, I thought this was really, really interesting, because Dare to Dream... You've got a lot of prophetic imagination, a lot of stuff about what is God doing, and then a lot of stuff about being a missional people and a missional community, or using missional imagination. And look, tiny, tiny bit of, of community. So based on that question, you would say that Dare to Dream doesn't inspire community and family values at all. It doesn't look like it's having very much... It's there a little bit. It was mentioned, but mostly Dare to Dream was inspiring missional imagination and prophetic imagination. Um, so that was kind of that, those results. But then, if you look at the next question, it's really interesting. Well, I think it is. What excites you about being part of this church? What an even split! All right, so suddenly the community aspect has become much more important. What excites you about being part of this church? We've got a lot. I like being part of the community. I like being part of uh, a house church. I like being feeling part of a bigger group. But also the prophetic and the missional were still pretty much equally represented. That was still something that made people excited. There is an excitement about feeling that we are looking to see what God is doing and there's an excitement about making a difference in the community. doesn't necessarily mean we're doing it, I suppose, but it does mean we're at least thinking and talking about it. Um, did that, was that similar, do you think, in your discussion? Were those three things coming up? We haven't, we haven't dwelled lots... Well, I suppose we have dwelled on community today, actually, haven't we? I'm, I'm, yeah, give me some sort of nods or, or no's or, or just look bemused. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, would, I would suspect it would have been similar. But, of course, different people can have different passions. So if you've got somebody in your group that's very passionate about community, because you're a very small group, that could, it would distort it from that kind of figure. It would be interesting, I think, to know, would that be represented in the whole church? It, it's likely to be, but you can't say it definitely is. I mean, the sample was a good sample of people. Um, question three, do you see a connection between this and the Dare to Dream vision? Now look what happened. <laughs> so they were, they were I, I was asking them you've got what excites you about being part of this church we've got that we've asked the original question what does dare dream to meet you and then I've said do you see 
In terms of what excites you about this church, do you see a connection between what excites you and the data dream vision? And suddenly, wow, if community wasn't in it before, it's in it big time now. <laughs> suddenly, and it was, it, what you saw, um, uh, I think, emerging was that um, the excitement of being part of the church, of part of being a community, was more like the foundation that enabled people to dream. If you felt secure and accepted and loved, you were more likely to think about what's God seeing, what's God doing. Which I think is a really interesting way around, because like that first question wasn't in there. But it wasn't in there because Dare to Dream doesn't necessarily inspire community, although you could dare to dream of amazing, loving community. But it seems to underscore it all, which I think is quite scriptural. The idea of being the body of Christ and being together is what motivates us to go out. There's that security of the family, supporting one another, a safe place for sharing prophetic imagination. And it, are you, I mean, you touched on operating in the prophetic gifting. If you're going to say, I think God might be saying this, or even more directly, I think God is saying this, you want to know that the people around you aren't just going to throw you out the window. You know, you need that acceptance. And in fact, in a really secure community, we'll be secure enough to share, I think God is saying, and people will be free to say to you, no, I don't think that's right, and it not bother us. In a weaker community, you, somebody says to you, I don't think that's right, you feel challenged on your whole relationship with God. <laughs> Instead of realising that what we're doing in that is beginning to discern together. We should never make, well, major decisions, an important decision in our lives without reference to other Christians that God's placed us with. It's just not the way he works. Um, so I thought this was... Yeah, really interesting that suddenly community was really important. The idea of hearing God, massively important in terms of what he hikes people. Uh, but suddenly the missional aspect of the church was like, oh, that's, that's that then. <laughs> Nobody's interested in being missional. <laughs> it's your first thought. But of course you have had this one and you have had this one. So you know it's there. And then when you get to the last one, what motivates you? Whoa. (laughs) What motivates you in being part of this church? 56% of the comments were all about reaching out into the community, making a difference in the community, the work we do in a community, making Jesus known in a community, seeing people saved. Suddenly that was massive. What motivates you in being part of this church? Uh, But what I think you get here is it really reveals a passionate desire to be missional in the community. That's one of the biggest sort of percentage groups we've had. Lots of new churches, and they were usually called something like the name of the town community church. That was the most common thought of name, Driffield Community Church, Scarborough Community Church, whatever it was, something like that, or maybe Fellowship. In fact, there is one. Um, <laughs> no, it's Christian, it's all right. <laughs> but uh, because, because the, the idea of being community was being recognised as really important. But also, really, really sadly, is a lot of those churches failed. They flourished and disappeared. And so a lot of studies were tried to be done to try and find out why did they die away. 
and they found that one of the most common reasons for, di for dying away was that the community aspect was really strong, even potentially what we would call prophetic imagination was strong, but the missional was missing. So you've got like Dead Sea churches, all this coming in from God and from people and enthusiasm and energy for one another, great community, but it was focused on one another. And after a while, that just goes dead. If you don't look out, if you don't get involved in what's out there, it actually will kill you eventually. And that was the experience of a lot of these very vibrant community churches that launched. I mean, that's a very simplistic way of looking at it. But that was a, you know, there's all sorts of other issues on leadership and training and uh, people coming into the groups that were disruptive. But the common thread in all of them was this lack of being missional, which I think is interesting, don't you? It's also very encouraging to see it's at least part of the motivation uh, of, of why we're here. Um, it's uh, looking at other studies, that kind of percentage is unusual, actually. A lot of churches, that's not important to them. It might be important in the sense of um, having like a week of mission or preaching on the street corner or having a special service for people. But, and all those things are good and important and we do them too, don't we? But this, the, it's this aspect of seeing that you're incarnational, if you like, of God in the community. It's not, some, it, it's not just having a special service for guests, although they work well if people are making connections. It's actually about making those connections. And you can see that a lot of the missional work we do, so say street angels, community angels particularly, that's formalized anyway, isn't directly going out to people and saying, do you want to be saved? It's about demonstrating the practical love of Jesus Christ to generate trust so that somebody might actually be willing to listen to us because there's massive distrust of the church out there now. Um, although the interesting thing was, I was talking to somebody at break time, uh, during lunch, I think, I can't actually remember who, it might have been Tim, um, and I was telling them about the, the work that this um, Blue Sky organization have been doing with us. Now that is uh, all our angels' activities. You know how we've had a lot of support, financial support from councils and police and things like that. So to get ongoing support, they need to be able to demonstrate that it has, it makes a difference in a community, a positive <coughs> aspect in a community. Otherwise, they can't direct government money and stuff like that, ta local taxes, into our organisation. They've got to prove it's worth it. And that's quite reasonable, really. Um, so they paid for Blue Sky to come and do this analysis, didn't they, Claire? Claire's been behind a lot of it. She's amazing. Just give her a hug for me. <laughs> uh, she's probably annoyed you by asking for this statistics and these statistics and these statistics and these statistics. You're thinking, why are we doing this? We just want to make the name of Jesus known. Well, we're doing this because we want to show... Yeah, that we are making a difference to the community even from a secular point of view. Let them see your good works and glorify God. So it's, been, it's a very interesting report because it's a report on our activities from a secular company to secular people. So they acknowledge that what motivates us is faith but they don't know how to evaluate faith because they're not people of faith. <laughs> so the report focuses on what difference we make not on where it comes from really. But... 
When they write these reports for different groups, they have to show these different measures. Uh, and then they report back and they say, look, in this measure, this group are making a massive difference in the local community, blah, blah, blah. But they had one that they hadn't used in other places. They, they got this thing coming back as they talked to our community, not just our church people, but people outside the church. Um, so we were evaluated by people in Scarborough. <laughs> Scary, eh? <laughs> uh, and they, 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 in the end, they came up with this new measurement that they hadn't used before because they hadn't come across it in this way before. And they called this measure trust. So it is true that in the world there's a general distrust of the church. But praise God, in the things he's led us to do in the community... And it won't be universal. That would be foolish to imagine that. There'll be people out there that highly dislike us. And we know the names of some. But <laughs> there is an overwhelming response of trust towards this, what's happening here. When we were in London, I was talking to Simon Coles, who's in Horsham, works with Clive Urquhart. And he was telling me of a conversation that had been had with a business person, on, uh, a businessman, who lives on the edge of Scarborough, and it came up, Kingdom Faith, or that they were from Kingdom Faith, came up in this conversation, although it was a business conversation. And Simon said to me, oh, the, and this guy just said, oh, yeah, they're a wonderful organisation. We've got Kingdom Faith here in Scarborough. They do a great work out of the summit. Don't know who he is. He wasn't involved in any church in any way. But you just see, well, praise God, because if you, it, it's, it's about creating something that people will actually listen to you rather than just think you're a bunch of hypocrites. Um, of course, if they look carefully, we are hypocritical in some ways. We never live up to God's standards. We, we actually also uh, acknowledge that we're all fallen as well. You know, what, what we hold up is what we're looking at. It's not necessarily what we are every day. We do fail. But uh, you know, in that sense, you could still accuse us of that. But... Generally speaking, we are living what God is calling us to be, and people have seen it and are seeing it. So, yeah, it's really important, that final one. Um, would you say the missional aspect, just some murmurs of yes and no's around the room, uh, the missional aspect, the idea of reaching into the community, did that get mentioned in your, when you were discussing? Yeah? Yeah, I think it has become part of who we are. And that's really exciting. Not particularly use, usual. Uh, what, I, what I think really excites me is the fact that it's not just part of us in the sense of that, yeah, we need to do evangelistic services. Yeah, we do put on events, but they're very much part of what we do. And although this place is really important, after all, God did tell us to start uh, a missional centre in, in town, so it's very important to what we do. But uh, being missional is about where we are as well, not just this place. And I think that's out there too. So, yeah, these were the three that came out. Family um, was the was the, the and that wasn't really this this one that as it came out wasn't something that I'd gone in looking for at all. It wasn't something I'd thought in my mind. Oh, I hope this comes out. It, it just came out, and uh, it was really exciting uh, to have it coming out. But it's it's that. Um, 
Oh, that security of being in it together, of journeying together, of discovering together and acceptance and love. There's another great book by a guy called Mark Foteva called The Communal Imagination. And that looks at how do people become missional. And his uh, conclusions are churches that become missional, it grows out of a culture of vulnerability. People are vulnerable to one another. So it, because you trust one another, you're vulnerable to one another, you're truthful with one another, you dare reach out. Because you're not. St- Why a lot of churches don't reach out is they're scared they won't be effective and then people think they're no good at being Christians. And I praise God, by the grace of God, you don't find that here. Um, culture of vulnerability, and the other one's interesting, unselfish gratitude. I'm not sure that's something that we particularly have ever focused on, but it's that idea of just being thankful for wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Unselfish gratitude. Um, and yeah, I think what came out was interesting that uh, it, was, it was a strong community um, that enables the prophetic and missional imagination, enables the prophetic gifting. Um, that kind of thing, those kind of questions, um, do, do use them in your house churches. They're good because it tur- what it turns into, if it goes well, is a kind of a storytelling evening. Because if you start to, if, you, if you're asked what excites you about being part of Kingdom Faith Church, most people will start to illustrate what they're talking about. In other words, they'll tell you a story of something that they found exciting. And it brings people together. Because you're talking about something that was good for you and other people will be pleased. It's the same with mo- what motivates you in being part. As you start to talk about it, um, it can actually, the very process of talking brings you together and it enables the prophetic and the missional to become even stronger. Um, I'm nearly there. Prophetic imagination. Um, This was uh, very consistent through everything, really. Um, Basically, you saw people thinking with faith to enable them to think bigger. And there was a great value of dare to dream enabling that to happen in the groups I were having. Um, Being different, an alternative community, being the light of the world was something that was constantly coming up, which is really exciting. And then the missional imagination, missional thinking, again, it was apparent. Um, It did disappear in that question about do you see a connection between this and dare to dream? But uh, it was there very powerfully at the end. Um, The only thing that did come out and just see what you think. This was from the, my actual research. I'll read you this paragraph I wrote then. Missional thinking was apparent throughout the evening's discussion, though at times it felt more like being sent into the community rather than coming alongside the community. There was real enthusiasm to live as church in the community, providing a genuinely, genuinely attractive alternative. There was no sense of being missional as preaching only the message of Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I think that's really good. Um, I think it would be good as we grow in this to be thinking more like coming alongside, not just... You can, you can have a missional imagination that just sees the requirements to meet needs. And actually, we need to come alongside as equals because we should consider others as no better than ourselves. We were talking about it in the prayer meeting 
for community angels because we've adopted the language of the professionals of this area. So very often the people we're meeting with, we'll call them clients. And I'm not sure there's a way around it. Maybe God will give us a way around it. But the only problem with referring to people as clients is it feels like you're going to meet their needs. And actually as the church, it's more about coming alongside them and certainly not seeing yourself as superior, even though their lives may be a complete mess. It's a tricky one, isn't it? I think it's an important one. Jesus didn't come and act superior. (laughs) If there was someone that could have done that, it would have been him. He said, I've come to serve. And he washes even the disciples' feet, doesn't he, to demonstrate this very graphically. Okay, so the uh, the last slide of discussion anyway... Uh, or me teaching, if you like. What next? Because we don't want to just finish today with nothing. These were some of the conclusions. What you've, what you've had here today is uh, a reworking of what I actually presented as from my research project to the, to the university. Uh, so what next? Dare to dream as a cultural value is stimulating the prophetic and missional imagination. That was one of the conclusions of what we'd seen I think that probably came out in your group. So it's not something just to drop. (laughs) Or to think, actually, we don't need this anymore. (laughs) Uh, Because that's obviously that is, that could be one of your conclusions. You think, actually, this is having no relevance on what we're doing anymore. We need to move on. But it it didn't. So it's, it's, it's actually become very much part of our identity. And that really excites me. I think that's brilliant. It's a really fun, easy to remember Vision. It's not very specific, but actually, I, and I used to think that was a bad thing, that it wasn't very specific, because that's what business speak will tell you. You need to have a vision that tells you exactly what you should be doing. But we don't have the kind of structure where I have to get all the vision, and then I tell you what to do. We're about hearing God together. It's got to be heard together and discerned together, and I suppose there's always a sense of which... I can have a final say if, it, if I feel it needs to. But actually it's about being together and hearing God together and discerning God together and house church hearing this is what God wants us to do. Yeah. Um, so that's cool. Uh, family community, I've really said everything there. Um, I'm just looking through my old notes from the research project. Yeah, I just really picked up in that about the fact of becoming very aware of our sense of place, not being above the place, but being in the place. Um, from that uh, Paul Sparks book that I talked about, The New Parish. Um, being vi- vigilant to ensure our strong, supportive community remains inclusive and avoids becoming exclusive. Remember the, the, what happened to those many community churches as they collapsed. We do have quite a strong co- community. But the stronger you are as a community and the more you know one another, the worse you can be at accepting people into it. Because I meet my friend there at church and I stand around chatting to you all day because it's great. I don't get to see you that often. So we, we talk on Sunday and there's six people sitting over here who've never been before who you miss completely because I'm catching up. You know, so it's that where a church shouldn't really have a host team other than you need a host team to guide people into the building and receive people, but we're the host team. You know, we, we, every Sunday we should be looking out to, to make people feel welcome. Yeah. I mean, you could say that's stepping back to the attractional model, but uh, it would only be that if that's all we do. So, with community, keeping it 
open. It's the same with house churches. You can have absolutely awesome house churches. And I've seen this a lot. House churches, live teams, house church, whatever they get called. And you can have a group that works fantastically. And it goes, it's really strong. People really love it. And all of a sudden it dies. And it can be quite quick. And if you look at it, you often find it was a great group of friends, but they never did anything else. And somehow it doesn't, it doesn't last. There has to be some form of what are we doing out of this. You know, in the end, it just gets boring just being in the same group. Um, so family community, however, did emerge as a significant value that enabled Dare to Dream. And the last point I made in terms of this was Kingdom Faith Church does have an active prophetic and missional imagination. So how do we move forward? Well, one of the ways was doing stuff like this. I'm, I'm acting on my own thing here. Um, and uh, I think what I've said to you during it today, how do we move forward from this? It's taking this kind of conversation that we've had in the last session into the groups that you're part of. Uh, I could, I'll put the four questions up, and again, maybe you even want to use exactly the same four questions uh, just in a group and talk about it. It's, and again, it's not to find the right answers. It's to find what answers are actually out there. You know, and if somebody's having a really, really bad time and said, there's nothing that excites me about being part of this church, you know, we'll say, well, there must be something or you wouldn't be here. So let's look at what... Or you, or you say, well, what has excited you? And how do we enable you to be excited about that again? Or is it gone completely? Okay? Awesome. You're a wonderful lot. Don't forget to keep doing this. <laughs> uh, if you want it from me, uh, you won't better read most of that. That's the bibliography of the books I read that went into it. <laughs> you can't produce an academic piece of work without a bibliography, so I, I just left it on there. But uh, seriously, though, we'll try and make this available for you, so you can look down and uh, you can um, choose your own books. I mentioned the one which is by Paul Sparks, The New Parish, How Neighbourhood Churches Are Transforming Mission, Discipleship and Community is the full title. That's a really interesting book. Uh, but there are some others there. Um, that's probably the easiest one to get into. Um, Unless you want something really, you, you might look down that list and think, oh, Walter Brueggemann, The Prophetic Imagination. Yeah, I get that. I don't particularly recommend that one unless you want to read something really heavy. It is good, but boy, it's a read. Uh, and you certainly don't need to read the ones about doing a research project. <laughs> anyway, let's put the four questions up in case you want to write them down. I do have one final, or a couple of final things before you leave. One will be, before we go today, can you just check with Claire, because we just want to help tidy some of this room up. We're not taking all the stuff off the walls just yet, but it's obviously J27 in here tomorrow, so chairs need to go away and equipment's going to be moved. Is that right? You're going to coordinate that. But before we do that, um, I'd like you to just do a little bit of evaluation on the day. I haven't made any forms. Yeah, feedback. <laughs> so I'm going to give you post-it notes. 
Okay, and you, you don't have to do one post-it note per question. That would use a lot. And some of them are only a little bit. Just scribble some things on here, and then you can leave it stuck to the board here. Uh, these genuinely are evaluation questions on the day. First one is more open. Did you learn something from today that you will begin to act upon? What? So you've got to summarize it if it's big. Number two, would you attend another activation teaching day? No, maybe, very likely, definitely. Put the one you want to put. Number three, how did you find the presentation today in terms of understanding and communication? Very poor, poor, useful, good, very good. I know these are crude, but it, it gives us some kind of idea for me and Claire to go and cry over a cup of tea later. And then number four, <laughs> what do you do? What, uh, that should say, what would you do? It does say that now. What would you do to improve the experience of the teaching day? Which, if you want to say nothing, is fine. But you might come up with something brilliant that we think, oh, why didn't we think of that? That's awesome. Or we might say, yeah, that'd be great if we had a budget of 10,000. <laughs> so I'll give these to pass around. And uh, yeah, take as many as you think you'll need to do some kind of response. And then we're going to... Karina, are you ready? <laughs> yeah. Do the whole session in a hot tub. I'm already hearing that one. That's a great suggestion. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com forward slash Yorkshire.